please be seated. Good morning and welcome. Welcome, friends. Welcome back to Summit, some of you. Glad to be here. Some of you may not know me. Let me just introduce myself. My name is Alf Dealey. I've had the pleasure of serving at Summit for a number of years now, and this morning I have the pleasure of talking to you about promise. Promise has been our theme this semester, and for the next few minutes it's going to continue to be. And in a few minutes we're going to have a lot more to say about Dr. Stronstad, but let me just uh, mention his impact on my life very briefly. Roger's been my teacher. He's been my mentor. He is my friend. More than that, he is, to me, my very good example of what it means to be devoted to the Word of God. One of the more significant things that Roger has taught me is the value of reading my Bible a little bit slower and then on exam day writing a little bit faster. One of the effects of reading your Bible a little bit slower is that it creates a space in your mind, gives you the opportunity to ask the right questions. It creates a space in your heart for the Word of God to have its desired effect, to be changed by the Word of God. Roger often challenged me to be changed by the Word of God, to read my Bible a little bit slower. When you do that, you change anger to kindness, fear to trust, despair to confidence. So likewise, I challenge you all to read your Bible a little bit slower and be changed by the Word of God. The text and the promise I'd like to focus on this morning, my everyday promise that I cling to, that compels me, I'm directed to it by Jesus' words while he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This line from Psalm 22, reflecting the psalmist's desperate cry as he faced a desperate circumstance. Put your finger in Psalm 22 in your Bible. Put Put another finger in Matthew 27. For those of you who don't have a Bible to put fingers in, I can't help you. (laughs) Buy a book. I'm just kidding. Contrary to what it may seem like on the surface, that God has abandoned Jesus and the psalmist, I want to suggest that this call arises to God in the confidence, in confidence in the Lord's deliverance. It's a cry that's imbued with the knowledge that God will in fact deliver. That it is his plan and it is a purpose to deliver his child, to deliver his children from their enemy. This is promise. On the surface, you may not see the promise in this desperate cry. And to be sure, it is a desperate cry. Jesus feels forsaken by by God. How could he not? He's splayed open from being whipped. He's broken from being beaten. He's bled out and stretched from hanging on the cross hour after hour. He's desperate. 
my God, my God. And he cries out with almost his last, almost his last breath. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus is desperate for, for deliverance from this agony. Adding to the suffering, the mockers passing by, surrounding him. They responded to Jesus' desperate circumstance, ridiculing him, wagging their heads at him, the text tells us in Matthew 27, 39. That was one of the things the mockers said. They said, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him. Matthew 27, 43. Let's see the promise here. Because surely, Jesus didn't intend to leave us believing simply that God had forsaken him. Just that and nothing else. Understand that Jesus had a habit of speaking in such a way by his miracles or by his few words where he indicated greater truths than the words themselves. We see evidence of this, especially in the reaction of the Jews, positive and negative. Some would experience Jesus, and they would leave asking, Is that Elijah? Isaiah? Could it be? Is that the prophet that we've been waiting for, like Moses? Maybe that's John the Baptist, back from the dead. Or the Messiah, the Christ himself. Others Others, of course, accused Jesus of being a blasphemer by what they understood Jesus to be saying. Simple words, like, your sins are forgiven. How can he do that? He's claiming a greater truth. One of my favorite examples of this is John the Baptist, who, before he died, he inquired of Jesus, are you the one that we're waiting for? He simply referred to the miracles that he had been performing. The lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. John, he knew his law and the prophets. Anybody who did understood that these miracles are messianic miracles. And so Jesus, by referring to these miracles to John, he indicated that he was, in fact, the Messiah, the one they were waiting for. This is no different coming to Jesus' desperate words from the cross. Let's understand what Jesus intended beyond the words themselves. My God, my God. This cry comes from Psalm 22, verse 1. It arises from the psalmist's own desperate situation. Let me summarize. Let me summarize David's desperate words through to about verse 19. My God, why have you forsaken me? I cry out to you day and night. Our fathers cried out to you and you delivered them. But I am despised and everybody mocks me. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord deliver him. God, you've been God from my birth. My God from my birth. Don't be far from me. Trouble is near. My enemy surrounds me, mocking me. I'm weak. I'm afraid. My strength is gone. I'm about to die. My enemy has surrounded me, pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes. Don't be far, Lord. You are my help. Deliver me from my enemy. The psalmist's petition is earnest, and it's genuine. He faces a real threat. Jesus 
petition is just as earnest and genuine. But that's not the whole of it. Let's read. Read with me the rest of the psalm as it moves from this desperate plea to confidence in the Lord's deliverance. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It is Jesus' intention for us to understand Psalm 22 in his words and all that it implies, including the confidence in the Lord's deliverance from which that desperate cry, that desperate petition itself arises. Look at the many bits of the psalm that are likewise reflected in the crucifixion scene, not simply that one-liner, why have you forsaken me, but the whole of the scene, from where it begins in verse 1 with David's own desperate cry reflected in Jesus' words on the cross, then the mocking and the taunts of the onlookers in verses 6 to 8, clearly reflected in those passing by Jesus wagging their heads and saying he trusts in God, Let God deliver him. In verse 18, David says of his enemies, of his enemies who have pierced his hands and feet, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Are these not the Roman soldiers who who divided Jesus' clothes among them after they nailed Jesus to the cross? And the writer to the Hebrews, in chapter 2, verse 12 in Hebrews, in explaining the necessity of Jesus' suffering and death. He presents Psalm 22, verse 22, as Jesus' own words. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. The last line of Psalm 22 reads, He has done it. Depending on your version, He has accomplished it. It is finished. It is finished. Is this not Jesus' word as he breathed out his now last breath? According to John's account, John 19.30, how do we think that Jesus didn't intend his audience to understand this psalm in its entirety? When he quotes the psalmist despair in verse 1, and now in his last moment with his last breath, the psalmist Confident praise, verse 31. And all throughout reflections of his passion. Jesus intended 
us to hear in those words the confidence in the Lord's deliverance. That confidence expressed by David, even as David despaired in the face of his death. Hear the message of Psalm 22 that Jesus' desperate cry reflects, summed up in verse 24. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. Understanding this, I can confidently say that though David is desperate, he is confident of the Lord's deliverance. Though Jesus is desperate, Christ's mission is accomplished. It is finished. I don't presume to compare myself to David or to to Jesus, but isn't this message for us all? That in in our desperation, in our suffering, whenever it might come, wherever it might come, that God is faithful to his purpose, to his plan, that he hears when we call, And yes, it hurts, and we despair. But that doesn't change the promise. I challenge you to let your prayer rise, as David's did, from the knowledge that God has done it, that God is faithful, that God hears you when you cry out to him. Father in heaven, God of my life from beginning to end, we praise your name. Thank you for your many mercies in our life. Thank you for revealing to us time and again the reasons why we can be confident in your promise. Lord, I pray, cause our hearts to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Alf. For those of you that don't know, Alf occupies the chair of biblical theology, which has been named for Roger Stronstad. So Alf is the director, the incumbent of the Roger Stronstad chair of biblical theology. So what a fitting honor and and what a fitting message. Thank you, Alf, for that. Um, Today, we are going to hear from a few of Roger's friends in just a couple of short moments uh, about a little bit about his life. It's interesting that, that you will have heard from Alf and hear from me and hear from Wilf and Dr. Soderlund and Dr. Tuparainen and uh, Reverend Jamie McDonald. All of us occupy sort of different seasons of Roger's ministry. And, and I was actually uh, a student when Roger, uh, I was a second year student when Roger began his full-time ministry here at Summit Pacific College. So in some of his earlier classes, I, I learned the uh, the discipline of being stretched and studying, and I, I gained a, a wonderful appreciation of two things, the Book of Romans and F.F. F. Bruce uh, from the influence of, of Roger. But before these uh, folk come to share, I do have uh, three congratulatory messages that have come our way. Uh, one from Tom and Linda Goss. So Roger, it reads like this. Dear Roger, although I can't be there with you and your colleagues and friends at Summit's Chapel to celebrate your 75th birthday... And a book launch in your honor, I am definitely there in spirit, accompanied by my earnest prayers for you and Laurel. You are indeed a dear friend in the Lord, such an amazing Bible scholar, and even a more wonderful example of a practicing Christian. Uh, 
May this day be greatly special to you and Laurel. Blessings in Christ's love from your friend and past colleague, Tom and Linda Goss. As well, a, uh, an email that came to us from Kunming, China, uh, Dr. Bob Menzies, says this. Hi, Riku and Roger. Warmest greetings to you both from Kunming, China. I was thrilled to hear this very fitting and well-deserved tribute to Roger on the occasion of his 75th birthday. I wish I could be there with you and the others offering words of encouragement, congratulations, and appreciation. Alas, since I'm in China, I won't be able to attend this wonderful occasion. I do, however, want to express my special birthday greetings and warm appreciation to Roger. By the way, uh, if you haven't already noticed, uh, last week was Roger's 75th birthday, and there may be some cake in the foyer at the conclusion of the service today uh, for you all. Um, dessert today, students. Dr. Menzies says it was a special joy to me to be able to contribute to Roger's feshrift and in this small way say thank you for the great encouragement that Roger has given me through the years, both personally and through his writings. Happy birthday, Roger, and I pray this day of celebration is marked by a strong sense of God's presence, blessing, and joy. Dr. Menzies does do a little P.S. that uh, he is teaching a course in Chinese on the Holy Spirit in the Asia-Pacific Theological Seminary, and the textbook is the Chinese translation of St. Luke's uh, Charismatic Theology. So... Again, Roger's book has been translated to a number of uh, languages around the world, and we congratulate him on that. And finally, uh, from the office of the General Superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, dear Dr. Stronstad, Roger, we in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada family join with those gathered with you to celebrate your 75th birthday in the launch of Reading St. Luke's Text and Theology, Pentecostal Voices, Essays in Honor of Professor Roger Stronstad. I am very grateful that I was asked to contribute an essay to the book expressing the deep honor that, that your fellowship has for you and for Laurel. As I mentioned in my chapter, it is with deep affection that I have sought to reflect and respect and appreciation that we, as a Pentecostal fellowship in Canada, have for you, our colleague and friend. As a theologian and gifted teacher, you have strengthened the church. You have deepened, clarified challenged and encouraged us to grow in our Lord's grace and knowledge while reinvigorating us regarding the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Roger, you and Laurel are such valued members of our fellowship. We honor the Stronsteads and pray every blessing on you, Roger, as you celebrate your 75th birthday. We anticipate your ongoing faithfulness and fruitfulness as you continue to bless the body of Christ with your teaching, your character, and your influence. You are loved your friend and colleague in Christ, Reverend David Wells, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Those were three of the tributes that we wanted to make special uh, recommendation to. I'm going to invite Dr. Wolf Hildebrand, our Dean of Education, to come. He is going to share uh, some tributes. Then Dr. Sven Soderland, uh, Emeritus Professor of New Testament from Regent College, is coming, and uh, Reverend Jamie McDonald. So they'll come without introduction. And to wrap it up, Dr. Tuparainen will join I first met Dr. Stronstad when I was a student at WPBC, and very quickly I grew to love his courses and his teaching. This was before the days of PowerPoint, and Roger had a great networking skill. All of his notes were written on the chalkboard while he was teaching, and then later 
on the whiteboard. During his tenure as teacher and dean, he taught virtually every Bible and theology course in our catalog, including Greek and Hebrew. He wrote around 30 courses in addition to writing books and articles. He not only taught at Summit, but in several countries at both the BA and graduate levels. He was also a great supporter of global missions work, especially in India. Roger always took time to mentor students and grads. Only God really knows how many students received academic advice and ideas from Roger and then went on to write papers and articles and dissertations and books. In fact, that is how my Old Testament theology of the Spirit of God came to be written. Roger inspired me to study the Old Testament and to write from a Pentecostal perspective. When my thesis at Regent was done and Dr. Sven Sutherland was my advisor, Roger took that thesis without my knowledge, sent it to a publisher, and it eventually became a book. Roger also offered wise career advice, and many graduates found placements in churches and in global contexts because of his wise words. In fact, when Lily and I were asked to serve in Kenya, it was Roger who encouraged us to go, and I believe it was a prophetic confirmation that he gave us to uh, go to Kenya. I've always felt honored that Roger recommended me to take over his office as Dean of Education at Summit in 2005. So today we honor you, Dr. Stronstad, for your faithful service to teach and exhort and to encourage and train and to correct us. You have indeed shown us how disciplined study leads to servants of God being thoroughly equipped for every good work. And for all you have done, there is a cloud of witnesses today that are celebrating your legacy and life's achievements. It's because of what Roger meant in my life that I wrote an article in the book that um, is entitled, Man Does Not Live by Bread Alone. It's not just the food we need for our physical care, but it's by every word of the Lord that we have our spiritual life, which makes life worth living. God bless you, doctor. Well, good morning. It's a very special privilege for me to be here. Alf introduced himself by saying some of you may not um, know me. I have to say some of you may know me, but most of you certainly wouldn't. Uh, but uh, this story goes back to ancient history, my relationship uh, with uh, Roger. In fact, uh, back to 1968, when I was um, starting my first year as a teacher at Western Pentecostal Bible College on the hill in uh, North Vancouver. And Roger, I think, was his, in his uh, 
either last or second last uh, year at the time. Um, what I discovered there, of course, was uh, that uh, there were two groups of students. So there was uh, Roger and the rest, and they, in terms of uh, their um, abilities and, and so on. Um, but what a joy it was to uh, get to know Roger at that time. Uh, a couple of years later, I was returning from um, uh, some um, ministry, I guess, up in Williams Lake, uh, supply ministry. St- stopped off, um, met Roger and Laurel uh, halfway down, and uh, suggested that um, they had by this time gra- graduated from Western, and uh, maybe they should continue studies. Uh, suggested to Roger they can continue at Regent College, in fact, which was just then uh, getting started. And so it happened that uh, Roger applied, and as uh, has been, I think, already mentioned here, uh, there wrote his um, master's thesis, which became the book, The Charismatic Theology of um, St. Luke, under the direction of Ward Gask and uh, Clark Pinnock, who was uh, there at the same time. Um, Well, from there on, life moved on, and we kept in touch. Uh, By 1978, I had actually joined the faculty then at Regent, and um, uh, maybe I was a token Pentecostal, I I don't know, Um, but um, we didn't have any others, and uh, I uh, started a program of um, uh, annual lectureships um, where we invited um, Pentecostal scholars to come in and and, uh, give a lecture for a couple of days and then uh, move on. But uh, we had uh, started with Bill Menzies, who was the father of uh, Robert Menzies that we just heard from, um, and uh, Russ Bittler, Gordon Fee, others. Uh, uh, Les Holcroft, former president here, was one. And one year, Roger was uh, one of our lecturers as well. So in that way, uh, of course, by the time... Um, other years have moved on. We had other Pentecostals on the faculty, so it wasn't necessary perhaps to keep up that uh, same lectureship. Um, but um, little by little, um, I sort of reconnected with Roger here. We moved out to Abbotsford 13 years ago when I retired. Uh, I know you're wondering how can someone um, so old look so young? But. Um, <laughs> But uh, such it is sometimes. Uh, um, so then uh, we moved out here in 2006, uh, really reconnected with Roger and have kept up uh, this uh, relationship and friendship. Um, in fact, I saw Roger and Laurel last, um, last uh, Monday, it was a week ago today. Um, and even then they were struggling. And on that Friday of the 15th, uh, Roger had not been feeling well on his actual birthday and was hoping that he would be able to be better today, but uh, unfortunately not. Um, um, one uh, other little thing. Um, now, you've all heard him, uh, heard us say that this is uh, Roger Stronstad. Um, that is not correct. Uh, I must correct you on that. Uh, his real name is Roger Strönstad, if you must know. Roger, of course, is a Norwegian background, and so, um, if we could write it here with this S-T-R-O, it wouldn't be O, but O with a line through it, meaning that it is uh, uh. 
Uh, and, and so in that sense, Roger and I also have this uh, little common denominator in that my name, although you heard it said Sven Soderlund, it's not Soderlund, it's Söderlund. Um, so um, Roger was Norwegian, uh, I'm Swedish uh, background, so we, I suppose, had uh, something of a connection, uh, Scandinavian there as well. And so very appropriate that Riku is uh, the editor for this um, book as well, um, because you know those Scandinavian countries, um, Norway, Sweden, and Finland, um, all have something in common and something different too. Um, so neighboring countries love and hate each other, right? Uh, but uh, there we are. <laughs> um, actually, Roger comes from a very beautiful part of Norway, up north, way up north. Um, if you know any of that the geography, the uh, city is Narvik, uh, is the closest one, uh, but all those low floating islands. Um, and the name of the city actually is Strønstad, means stream town or stream city. So that's where Roger comes from. Well, it's a joy to be with you here. And just to close with this remark, that um, um, Riku took this on to edit the book. Um, I mentioned to him when it was halfway through that um, I don't suppose he ever imagined how much work would be involved in this um, kind of effort. Uh, those of us who have any experience with editing these kind of projects know this is a work of labor of love beyond anything you might imagine. So I commend Rico for all the work he's taken on in doing this. And uh, blessings on you and all of you together, and especially to Roger this morning and Laura. Thanks. Hello, my name is Jamie McDonald. I graduated in 94 when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Oh, maybe not. Uh, but uh, came here in 1991, and uh, 25 years ago, hard to believe. Um, came here as a second-year student, uh, got saved in 89, went to a school on the east coast of the U.S., and uh, didn't know the difference between Pentecostal and Presbyterian. But, uh, or is there a difference? I don't know. And uh, so then uh, we, uh, I was there for a year and uh, wasn't sure if I was going to return. And I had a friend actually from Richmond, B.C. who said, you should go to this college. And he had a catalog for Western Pentecostal Bible College and uh, looked at the mountains and said, that's where I want to be. Little did I know that God actually had a plan beyond my own plan because my plan was to just come out here because I like the mountains and it looked like a great school to attend. But uh, showed up here, and uh, one of the influences that the Holy Spirit used in my life to shape me was Roger. He totally shattered uh, my idea, my preconceived notions of what it means to be Pentecostal. I had kind of, in my two years as a Christian, had kind of a, made some assessments of that. And I came out here, and I, here I am. I'm, I'm in this class, and there's this guy with this brown goatee, mustache, you know, brown tweed suit, saying, in conclusion, in summary, therefore, very logical uh, you know, uh, very mild-mannered, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, some of us are more ju uh, jo joyful than others, and Roger's joyful, but at least on the inside, right? So when he's worshiping at church, right, when he coin a moment, CLCC, right? So coin a moment, ding, ding, you go back in, you know, Roger's worshiping, he's got his coffee, he's, he's watching, he's reading the words, he's singing, he's singing on the inside, that's the way he is, <laughs> singing on the inside, joyful on the inside, Scandinavian, yeah. 
Yeah, right. There you go. Mount Stronstad. Apparently, there's a mountain named after him. So, uh, but anyways, I, I just it, it was such a such a treat to be in Roger's classes, and I know all the, anyone who knows Roger is a treat to sit under his ministry. And so much so that he impacted my life so much so that I I went into the program, the newly formed Biblical Theology program. And I, is there any Biblical Theology students here? There's a few. I see a hand. I see that hand. Um, but we had we had this we had this program with four students in it. What I had it was a privilege to be able to sit under Roger, and then the second year Greek was uh, to well had had Dr. Dave as my Greek teacher my first year, and then and then Roger my second year, and to sit in the Greek readings and go with Roger through that. But when I speak to Roger, I speak to his character. He was a man of character. He was a man who believed in being a dutiful husband. And he's been a dutiful husband, a wonderful husband to Laurel all of these years and the many struggles they've had with health-related challenges. He's been, he's been there for her, caring for her. And in some ways, he set aside certain things in his academic career in order to care for her. And that speaks to who he is as a person. He cares about people. He's also editor of the Canadian C.S. Lewis Journal. So he's very much a literary man, very logical, a statesman for the gospel, statement for uh, Pentecostalism. And uh, it, was a, it is a privilege, it is an honor to be able to share something about his, his life and to be part of his life. In fact, uh, went on to marry uh, the woman who really boarded with him and Laurel for almost the entire time she was here at college. And so when I had to uh, ask for her hand in marriage, I had to go through the gauntlet of Roger Stronsad for that as well. And so uh, high expectations there. And so Roger really did a lot of shaping in my life. You know, when I came to school, I had a lot of, like all of us, we have rough edges. And, uh, you know, there's a David in there somewhere in the block of, you know, in the block of marble. And uh, Roger was one of those uh, sanding influences, uh, uh, refining influences in my life who helped show me what it means to be, uh, you know, a man of God, to care for my wife, that my wife-to-be, and to be that man of integrity that he, God wants me to be. And so Roger really did that in my life as well. Um, and I'd have to say, when I started ministry, one of the things that I really appreciated is there was a season in ministry where I was really struggling. And I was struggling. I was in a, in a place where I, just, I didn't know if I should stay or if, if I should go. I was uh, struggling as a new pastor. And uh, one day, the day I was literally thinking, I, I think I should be done. I think I should be done. The phone rings, and it's Roger on the phone. And Roger says to me, how are you doing today? And we started talking, and he says, you know, I, I was, the Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night. He woke me up, and he, he told me to start praying for you. And then he went on to give me three words that I never forget that he said the Lord told, told him to give to me, and that was patience, contentment, and faithfulness. Patience, contentment, and faithfulness. I was actually, I was kind of crying when he was telling me, so I was kind of, you know, and I was looking for something to write on. I didn't have, a, didn't have a, anything to write on, so it was a napkin. So I wrote on a napkin, patience, contentment, and faithfulness, and I kept that napkin in my wallet till it actually dissolved uh, in my wallet. But it, that was the kind of person, that is the kind of person that, Roger, that you are. You are that person. You are a spirit-led man of God. You love the Lord with all your heart. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's, that's really who you are. You're a man of character integrity. We love you here. We honor you today. We honor you in Laurel because it is a team ministry. Laurel has been by your side through this entire time, praying for you, praying for people, praying for your ministry. You have so impacted our lives, and we just want to take this time to say how much we love you. 
We honor you. We pray God's richest blessing upon you. Thank you very much. September 2016, over three years ago, I was having my normal, regular uh, devotion time at home in our living room. I read my Bible very slowly. I was reading from Greek. And uh, in my prayer time, there was a very strong sense that God is directing me for a new project. And that project would be to honor Dr. Roger Stronstad as he turned, when he turned 75 years. So we were like three years away from that time. That uh, feeling, that sense of, of urgency was so strong that I couldn't get over it. Often we are trying to you know, speak ourselves away from, from these kind of things, but I couldn't speak myself away from that call. So one week later or two weeks later, I found myself in Roger's office in the academic building. He was sitting in that office where I'm sitting currently. And uh, I, I said to Roger, do you have a minute or two? I would like to tell you something. And I sat there and I said, Roger, as far as I know, there is no publication to honor you. That hasn't yet written. And I have this sense that I, I, I need to take that project on myself and, and edit a book that is honoring you when you are turning 75 in a few years. And Roger, very typically to his character and humbleness, said, No, it's not necessary. Uh, you know, I'm not worthy of that. I'm have been, I have been just serving. But I convinced Roger that this is a thing that is also for the kingdom and, 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 and there's no work like that. We, we should do that. I had already kind of an outline in mind how we should do the book. And uh, Roger finally said, let me think about that. Let me pray over this idea. And maybe two, three weeks after he comes to me and said, Let's do it. And uh, from that day on, uh, I have been working on that uh, book, which is now released. And uh, Roger was very much involved in the entire process. We went through the, the, the content and we went through the, uh, the contributors who are contributing and all of that. Even though he said that I'm not going to direct you how to do that, but... Uh, Anyway, we had a these good conversations. Uh, the name of the book is Reading St. Luke's Text and Theology. And of course, that name reflects a little bit of, of Roger's very well-known book, The Charismatic Theology of St. Luke. And this, uh, the, the, the phrase St. Luke is just because from, from that. Do we, by the way, do we have those slides up there? Okay, thank you. Um, so, first of all, if you haven't read this book, you can't buy this new book 
before you buy this one and read this one. Okay? This is mandatory. This is prerequisite for, for this new book. So that, that is the name. And, and why text and theology? Because Roger Stronstad has been studying about, especially pneumatology in Luke-Acts, and uh, also touching so much on hermeneutics, how to interpret the Bible. So these two things are part of the book very strongly. We are looking at the text, how, how to interpret, how to read the text, and then theology, what, what uh, Luke is saying, especially pneumatology. Okay, let's read the book. No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> don't worry. You have to read the book. I have read it already. But here is the content of, of the book. Um, so uh, we have there four parts. I wanted to have this very personal touch in this book. As we have heard today, this is really made to honor Roger Stronstad, his great work and service for, for the kingdom. So first part includes a, a three uh, articles uh, from David Wells, from Dave Demjack, and also from Martin Middelstad. And they are speaking about Roger Stronstad as a, a biblical scholar, as an educator, and also as a um, um, theo- theologian in Pentecostal circles. And, uh, part two is about hermeneutics. Reading St. Luke's text, hermeneutical considerations, various articles about, about that area. Third one is reading St. Luke's theology, pneumatological and biases. So we, are, we have uh, wonderful uh, articles in that. And finally, we extend it beyond Luke Acts. Because Pentecostal theology and pneumatology is not just Luke Acts. It goes beyond. And there we have a couple articles uh, chapters about Old Testament text, for example, Wilf's uh, uh, chapter is from Old Testament, and then other Gospels, Paul's, uh, Dr. Söderlund has written on, on Paul's um, text and pneumatology there, and then, of course, Revelation is also included in, in that. So that reflects very well where the uh, Pentecostal studies are currently, and also reflects very well what Roger Stronstad has been writing and teaching. Here are the names who are congratulating Professor Dr. Roger Stronstad today. These names are the names that have been contributing to this book. So, Albert Dealey, Marty Middlestad, David Wells, Dave Demchak, Robert Menzies, Van Johnson, myself, Scott Ellington, Bradley Truman Noel, David Corey, Craig S. Keener, Bob Welsh, John Wurkoff, Amos Young, Velimati Karkainen, Leroy Martin, Wilf Hildebrandt, Blaine Jarrett, Rick Watts, Benny Aker, Sven Söderlund, John Christopher Thomas. And you can find these chapters from this book. Congratulations, Dr. Stronstad. May God bless you today, special way. It has been so wonderful to be part of this. I'm honored that you trusted in me to give promise to do this work for your honor. Special thanks also to Summit Pacific College 
has given me possibility to do this using the library. At the same time, I would like to especially mention uh, Lawrence uh, Van Cleek, a librarian over there. Uh, he was a uh, very big help when uh, the final text was uh, uh, proofread and also indexes are made by him. I also would like to thank you, my church that I pastor, Finnish Bethel Church in Vancouver, and also all contributors who are part of this, and critics. All these contributors have given us a good, giving me a good uh, feedback about text and, and uh, how to put all this together. So thank you for, very much for contributors and critics as well. And finally, I would like to thank you, my wife Anne, who is here with me today, because uh, I have used uh, so much time, precious time, uh, to do this. I think that I have used a couple of summer vacations and all extra times that I have had in my hand to edit and to contribute to this volume. I believe that this uh, volume is available today, but uh, there's also a special offer for you who are here today. So if you use the code uh, READING, you will receive 40% discount if you order that from the publisher directly, Pip and Stock, Pickwick. And there's also some uh, information sheets uh, over there on the table that you can take. So thank you so much for being here today. It's uh, wonderful uh, to, to celebrate and uh, I wish you a wonderful time with the text as you are reading and learning along the way. Thank you so much. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for Roger and Laurel. We thank you for their lives and how they have dedicated their lives in service to you. We pray for Roger and Laurel during these coming days that you may strengthen and encourage them, that you may hold them close and help them to see you. Thank you for all the things that you have taught us through your servant, Roger. Thank you for his example and his timely God-given words in each of our lives. Lord, today we commit Roger and Laurel to you and your continued service. Be with them, strengthen them, and give them your comfort. We give you, all these, we give you thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And bless the cake. You may be dismissed.